Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, so to show you how impressive I am, without you have revealing to me what came to your mind when you closed your eyes, um, I can tell you what it was that stressed you out. Oh, you think I'm faking. No, I got this. It was either a person or a people. It was a place. It was a pace. Or it was a problem. See, told you. (laughs) Now, I stole that from someone else because they shared that, and I thought, oh, that is brilliant. Another teacher did that, and I thought, that is really good. And so in the idea of what it would take for you to get rid of that, to, to, to gain peace, to have your stress level go down, what you came up with was a way to eliminate that person, people, place, um, to make it, because you think that's going to give you peace. Because we think that if we have the absence of something, then we'll get peace. But peace is actually more so the presence than it is the absence. You don't get peace by just getting rid of things because something else is gonna come. So you're always gonna be in a perpetual state of trying to figure out why am I so messed up? Why can't I make this go away? So when we talk about peace, which is what we're gonna talk about today because we see here, um, by the way, this isn't working. The slides, so you're in control, Matt. You got the slides. Unless for some reason this magically turns on, you got the slides. It won't uh, work for me. I see it now, but it could disappear at any moment for me. Um, So we hear here talking about peace, which is what we would think would be the opposite of stress. We think, wait, this is that season, and if this is that season and Jesus is the Prince of Peace, then why do I feel like this? For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we hear these phrases, and and we talk about it, but we don't really know what they mean. In fact, every year we do this Advent candle. And each of these candles, we tell you what they stand for. But if we were to do the quiz right now, you would probably all fail. As a class, we'd have to repeat this grade because we don't know what they mean. The first one last week was hope. And this week, the next candle is peace. And then it's going to be joy and then love. And then we have the Christ candle on Christmas Eve for us. And so we do those so that we can rest in all of these promises of of who God is and what it means that Jesus came. And so we hear this term, Prince of Peace, and we're like, Okay, and we just kind of go over it because we just don't understand what it means. We think we know what it means, but what does it mean? We use this word all the time for different things. Um, We use it for the Peace Corps. You ever heard of the Peace Corps? And they're supposed to go and eliminate poverty, to to get rid of something, the elimination of something. Um, 
Many of you parents just want some peace and quiet. And so really you're not saying peace and quiet. You mean, well, peace equals quiet and that's what I want. Um, Peace of mind because there's so many things all over the place. I just want peace of mind, which means I I want some things out of here so that I can have peace up here. And so when we think of peace, we think of it more so as the absence of something undesirable rather than the presence of something desired. And when, when Isaiah, over 600 years before Jesus came, was prophesying Jesus' coming, he said he will be the prince of peace. And the emphasis there is on something coming. And so when you look at all your situations, you look at your people, you look at your places, you look at your pace, or you look at your problems, you just kind of want those to disappear, and then you think you're going to get what you want. But that same teacher said something, so I stole these, all the P words from him. And it wasn't Rick Warren, by the way. I just noticed a lot of these guys like to take all, or, or ladies like to take all the same words and give them the same little first letter. But I thought it, it fit perfectly for this reason. Because you think if you could eliminate certain things and get rid of some of those undesirables, then things would be perfect. But there will be no perfection here. So perfection is actually the enemy of peace. Because you're hungering for circumstances to be in a certain way and then you'll have peace. But that's not peace. That will never happen here. Jesus even warned us about that. But let's talk about what peace is. Let's talk about a biblical peace, okay? So in the Old Testament, it's shalom. That's the word that's used for peace. And in the New Testament, it's Irene. So if you have someone that you know, oh, your name's Irene, that means peace. I don't think you have any friends named Shalom, but you've heard that phrase a lot, right? You've heard the phrase Shalom. And what it means is this sense of completeness or wholeness. So like when you walk up to someone and you're in Israel and you say Shalom, really it's just turned into hi. But what it meant to say was for you, wholeness and completeness. And so here's some examples of, of what that means. So um, imagine a wall or a fence that's broken. So I have a few images here, and whichever ones you want to choose, you can roll with. But imagine like that wall right there, there's pieces missing. And so you look at that, and you're like, ah, oh. so to bring shalom would be to fill in the gaps. Or if you have a fence, and we actually had this at our house, and some of you right now are going, oh, that's one of my problems. My fence is falling down. But you have a fence, and you know that it's not actually doing what it's supposed to be doing. It's falling apart. And so to bring shalom would be put it back complete, to put it back whole the way it was. Or for some of you, you have kitchen counters, and you know they're cracked, or they're broken, or there's something in your house, like my faucet this past week, it's broken. And to so bring shalom to that, the verb to bring shalom means to put it back the way it needs to be. And so there was a prince of peace in my life here on earth named Chad McComb, who's a plumber, and I called him and I said, what do I do? And so I'm showing him the video and he's telling me what to do. And so he brought my faucet back to shalom. Wholeness, completeness, that's what it means. So for example, um, in, in uh, Job, it gives this perfect example of what peace is. So for example, like if you have, um, 
they lived in tents. And so taking something complex and bringing it together the way it needs to be and putting everything where it needs to be, that's shalom. And so in Job, they've got all their tents, and it says, you will know your tents are shalom when nothing is missing. Right? You ever gone camping? You're like, oh, I forgot that. Like something's missing. Something that the whole of what was expected is not there. And so there isn't shalom. There isn't peace. Uh, when King David, before he was King David, he went out to the battlefield because his dad said, hey, bring the guys some food. Bring your brothers some food. And so they're out there fighting. And so when he walks up, he greets them. But when he says shalom, what he's saying is, how's your shalom? How you doing? You know how we walk around and we say, hey, Melissa, how you doing? <laughs> or if we say, you know, Alex, how you doing? But we don't really mean it. <laughs> hey, how you doing? But you, and they start talking like, whoa, 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 I was walking by. I, I didn't. But David stops right there in the midst. He says, how's your shalom? Now, I don't want to get too deep into what was going on in David's heart. I mean, it was his brothers. I mean, come on. But there's that idea of how's your shalom? How's your wholeness? And so I'm not giving you that quiz, but if I gave you that quiz, it would be different than how's your stress level? Because you picture yourself like a wall or a fence or even a counter, and, and how's your shalom? Are there a lot of cracks? Are there holes? Are you broken? So that's, that's a deeper meaning of what shalom means. Like Solomon brought shalom to the temple by completing it because it wasn't finished. And so he brought shalom to him. Or in relationships, like it talks about in Proverbs, to reconcile is to bring shalom. Not just in intimate ones, but in friendships, in family. Some of you would love to have some shalom in your relationships with your family after Thanksgiving. Because you went just holding on by a string and you left and that string snapped. And so shalom means to bring reconciliation, restoration in relationships as well. So it is, it's used also to say the end of war. So when we say peace on earth, that word is also used there, but we, we focus so much on that that we lose the larger meaning. Because when it says to bring shalom, there be peace, it doesn't mean just biblically that they would stop fighting it means that these two rival groups would then come together and start working for each other's good. Because peace isn't just, hey, let's just stop fighting. I mean, imagine if, if, if you see two people fighting or your kids fighting or someone else's kids fighting or this couple fighting. Just for them to stop fighting, that's not peace. That's not shalom. Shalom is when they say, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Here, let, let me do this for you. And the, the, the relationship changes. That's the way it's supposed to be. How's your shalom? And so when we talk about Jesus being the prince of peace, that's what we're talking about. For God so loved the world that he sent his son, and his son, defined as wonderful counselor and prince of peace, came to bring us whole. But we immediately think, okay, bring me peace and get rid of these situations. And the more we want that and the more we seek after that, and the more it doesn't come, we get disappointed because we're expecting something that was never intended. So I want us to, to look at Luke chapter 1. I'll give you some background. But in Luke 1, Zechariah, who's the father of John, who is 
comes, becomes John the Baptist, but Zachariah never called his son that. But John the Baptist was his son. And so before he was born, um, he ended up going through this. He doubted that God was going to provide them a son. And so, oh, really? Well, then now you can't talk. So John, who was a priest at that time, he couldn't, he couldn't speak. And so as they say that the son was born, then he's allowed to speak. And as soon as he starts speaking, he starts prophesying. And that means that the Holy Spirit decided, okay, I got a message for the people around you. That's what prophecy means. It doesn't mean, oh, I predicted the future at 722. That's an element of it. Most prophecy is just, is just being a messenger of God. And so here we have Zechariah, and he starts just talking about, about Jesus. And then he starts talking about his son. I mean, we're all kind of into our kids, right? If you have kids, you're like, well, my kid's the best. But he starts talking about, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and he has redeemed them. And then he says, and you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him. And then he talks about things being made right. But as we look at that, we could easily miss this one verse. 179, well, 78 and 79, he says, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. But it doesn't say to pull you out of the darkness or to pull you out of the shadow of death, but instead says by which he will guide your feet into the path of peace. So there's not this elimination of the difficulty of the circumstance. It's that Zechariah is promising that God is going to come with us into our presence and be with us in the midst of this chaos. So I've had all week to wrestle with this and to think about this. And so I'm in situations where I'm not, I'm feeling like holes are all over me. I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. I don't feel right in front of certain people. I don't, I've, I don't feel right in, in, you know what it's like, right? When you feel like you have those holes or you can actually see the holes. And so I made a really dumb decision and I started to decide that we needed groceries, which we did, and I needed to go get them, so I did. But I chose to go to Costco on a Saturday during the Christmas season. And so I'm walking in there, and I didn't have a hat to hide from all the chaos around me. Because you know when you walk in there, you're going to see 50 people you know. And I'm sitting there wrestling with this, going, Lord, what does it mean for me to walk through here in peace? To know that you are with me. And that the reason I feel so uncomfortable is because I feel incomplete. I feel like a failure. I feel like this or that or whatever, whatever it is. And I know I can share this with you because you've got the same thing going on. And so as I'm walking in this, I'm like, Lord, but you are my peace. If you can walk with me. Now, Costco is not what it means to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay, that's not what that means. But when we're talking about peace, we are referring to what King David said when he was looking back at his life. He's still alive, and this is one of my favorite psalms, and I think I feel like I teach through it all the time. I mean, I'm looking at people that have been with us from the beginning of planting the church, and you're like, oh gosh, is he going to do another series on Psalm 23? Yeah, he is, because it's so good, because David is saying, this is what it's like to have 
my God, walk with me. And he's just praising God because he knows what peace is. And his life was a hot mess. He created the hot mess. Other people created His circumstances were horrible. And yet, he knows what peace is because he said, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death, I wasn't afraid. Because you are with me. And then he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now the rod had two purposes, as we've talked about before. It was this little stick, and he would take that stick, the shepherd, to, because he was there to care for the sheep, because all the enemies around, bad things happen, but he would take this, and he would sling it in case a wolf or some other predator came in. So that feels good, doesn't it? Have you ever been with someone that's so tough? I remember walking with a friend who was a boxer, and we're walking into a situation. I'm like, I feel, I feel at peace, because I've got Captain Boxer with me. We are good to go. My buddy who's an MMA fighter, when he's walking with me, I'm like, I can handle anything because he's with me. But that rod was also used for discipline. Not like, oh, you did that one. Now you're in trouble. Now, you want to do that? No, it was if a sheep was going towards a dangerous place to go off of a cliff or something, the shepherd would sling the rod at the sheep. And it wasn't cruel. It was saving the sheep. And he does that for us. He disciplines us either through others or through his word, saying you know that you need to go in this direction and not that direction, but I really want to go there. You might want to, but that's going to end poorly for you. That's discipline. And then there's the staff. So your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're with me, so I feel comfortable. The staff would be used to guide the sheep. You know, eh, over here, oh, it's a little bit longer than the rod. So you don't have to always sling the, you know, the rod. You can use the staff and just kind of guide them. But my favorite part of that was the staff for the shepherd would also draw the sheep near because the sheep, no matter what, even with a shepherd, this life is difficult, that sheep is gonna get cut. <laughs> that sheep is gonna get broken bones. And so he would use the staff because it was rounded, right? <laughs> That's to go around the sheep to bring them close, to bring sheep close so that he can hold them up and examine them and care for any of his wounds. Anybody ever feel like that? That's peace. And the crazy thing is we want to avoid these difficulties. We want to avoid the valley of the shadow of death, but it's because we go through the valley of the shadow of death that we can then know peace because then we can see God's presence. We ask that question, why do bad things happen to good people? Or more often, why do bad things happen to me? Instead of saying, okay, God, because when you get old, like David, you thought I was going to say me, but I'm super young. But David, he's old at this point. As he looks back at his life, he can see it. He didn't know peace when he was younger because he didn't go through enough difficult things. We look at difficult things as bad things, but through those difficult things, David can look at his life and go, and that's when God showed up. And his rod and his staff, they comforted me. And so as he gets older, he starts holding on to God tighter oh, I am not going through this without you. I will go anywhere, anyhow, but I will not go anywhere where you're not at. So either you're here or I'm not here. And that fear of the difficult, the fear of the valley of the shadow of death is not so much because you know he's with you. That's what peace is. 
In Isaiah, it says, he will be called Prince of Shalom, and there will be no end of Shalom. That doesn't mean the government's going to all of a sudden do all the right things, and people are going to stop fighting, and every marriage is going to be bliss. Oh, difficulty is there. But in those difficulties, we have peace if we have him. Jesus was trying to be super clear about this. So in John 16, and if this doesn't go up, you got to open up your Bibles. In fact, you should just open up your Bibles. I mean, open them up and take this, write it down, get a tattoo of it. Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. We shouldn't be surprised at that. You will have trials, you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, you will have difficulty. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. So it's not the circumstances. It's not perfection of our situation. Our peace is him, him near us, and us clinging to him. That's why we chose the name Branches for this community of faith. I am the vine, and you are the branches, if you remain in me. And that word remain is just not strong enough. If you will hold on to me, if you will embrace me, if you will make sure you will not let go, or as I love the way my wife says, I am not going to let go of your beard. I don't know why she assumes that God has this long old beard, but in her imagery, it's so perfect. Like, I am not going to let go. I will do whatever it takes to hold on to you. Because in you is life, in you is peace, in you is shalom. So this presence of God that is peace, we're not going to be free from tragedy. Some of you are going through that now. We're not free from illness, bankruptcy, divorce, depression, heartache, family, pace, people, problems. They're here. But this peace, this shalom, is rooted in the trust. That's what it is. That's trust. That, that, that grasping of the beard, that holding on, that clinging to him is trust. That's what connects us. That's what allows us to get peace because we stay near to him. And to stay near to him means to trust, to put all of our weight into him. And by doing that, that is more perfect. That is larger than our circumstances. So surrender. Surrender those expectations you have of your circumstances. Surrender this this idea of perfection in your situation. There's no elimination of people or problems or pace or place that's going to fix that. But God does promise to be our prince of peace and to walk through this with us. And so during this season, that's what we celebrate. We get to celebrate that God has shown up. And not that he just came and left, but he said, I promise you all will not leave you as orphans. It feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? Like in our situations, we just kind of feel left alone. But Jesus said, I promise 
I will not leave you as orphans. My, my peace I give you, my peace I leave with you through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of God walking with us through these situations. And because we have that, because we have that, we can then be a blessing to others. We can be instruments of his peace to the world around us. Because once we're at peace because of his presence, then we're at a place to tell others about it. Not just with our words, but with our life. But yes, with our words. During this season, it's not weird for you to go, wow, I feel like I have peace. And then to not hold it from others. I was talking with someone the other day, and we were in this room, and we were talking, and, and the door was open, and we were talking about other things, and, and this person was loud. And then as we started talking about his, his faith and his love for the Lord, it got really quiet. And I was like, why, why, why are you getting quiet? Like, I was hoping that one of the people at his company would walk by and hear him sharing this stuff. People should hear this. We don't fake it. We don't go, oh, better go find someone and tell them about Jesus. No, it's by you resting in that you're then set free to share with others. And during this season and other seasons, I've seen you do this in the midst of having cancer. I've seen some of you with other diseases. I've seen, seen some of you struggle with infertility and yet still be at peace because you were clinging to him. I've seen some of you with alcoholism or other drug use and you've, you've just said, okay, I, I have peace because I'm gonna cling to him and he's gonna rescue me from this. Some of you have lost your jobs or you've had things stolen from you. And in the midst of that, you got angry, you got frustrated, but then you were able to catch your place and you were able to rest in him. And say, you know what, but you're here. And so there's peace. You'll set things right the way they're supposed to be. Even though all around me they're crazy, if I have you, then I am set right. I've seen others of you fight to find marriage. Like, why not? Why not me? Why does that person get to get married? And they're a jerk. And I'm like following you, Lord, and I'm alone. And then I've seen others of you in marriage going, oh my gosh, why did I get into this? God, how dare you? And yet you've clung to him. So, but you are my peace. I have this idea of what perfection is supposed to look like. But I release that. I surrender that. Lord, you're my peace. You're going to make things whole. You're going to put things the way they're supposed to be. You're my shalom. So during this season, number one, learn to surrender perfection and turn to him. In Romans, um, I believe it's 5.1, Paul said this. He said, because we are set right by our faith, our trust, our belief. We are set right by that. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we make that decision to put trust. And as we do that, then we are set free now to then be instruments of his peace in other people's lives. Not only will they, not, they they're not gonna go, oh, you, you seem like you're the definition of shalom. They're not gonna know any of that stuff. They're just gonna know something's right. And I don't know what it is, but I just, I feel safer around you. I don't know what it is. And when that question comes up or when you see it, you're like, look, I know you're going through this. Can I just 
Can I pray for you? Can I just tell you that I've gone through this and, and that I've clung to him and that he's faithful? And then when we put our trust in him, he sets things right. Not immediately, unfortunately. Most of the time it takes a while, but he puts things in place. So don't just leave thinking, what does this do for me? Lord, how can you use me as an instrument of peace in others? So I want to pray a prayer for us. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And if you could join me, if you're able or willing, can you stand? And um, I will pray this out loud. And if you're willing, pray it in your heart. If we tried to pray this out loud together, we know how that would go. We'd be all over the place. This is attributed to St. Francis, but most likely it wasn't from him. But this was his prayer. He said, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Hi everyone, I'm Becca, this is Brian. Um, we've been married for a little over a year and expecting our first child in May, a little boy. We're very excited. Um, and we've been at Branches since Easter of this year and it's been like no turning back. I feel like every time that we're here, Boog's message speaks exactly to what we're going through, which is just crazy how that happens, but I mean, that's God. So um, we're up here, we're gonna uh, guide you through the lighting of the second candle, the candle of peace. And I will read Isaiah 9-6, which is the verse that Boog read at the beginning of his sermon. It really encapsulates the theme of peace for this week. And then Brian will close us out in prayer. So Isaiah 9-6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for today and gathering us here as a church here at Branches. We're just so honored to stand before you and have this privilege to even speak to you because of what Jesus Christ, our, our Savior and our Lord, has done for us. We're just so thankful that you give us the peace that this world can never give and that your peace will never fail us and that even through walking through this, the darkness of this life, we know that you are our rock and you are the solid foundation that will never fail. We just ask you to please empower us with your Holy Spirit today and for every day for the rest of our lives to walk with your Holy Spirit and to be peacemakers wherever we go. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.